0: We've been on the Holy Spirit for the last couple of weeks, and uh, I felt like the Lord wanted us to minister on the Holy Spirit because I know God don't want you to miss out on anything He has to offer you. And a lot of times, the Holy Spirit can be misinterpreted or misunderstood, or seem to be really weird, or hooky or spooky, and so you people kind of pull back. So the first week we talked about, you know, like out of the five hundred that Paul mentioned uh, being. At, the, at, at being with Jesus after his resurrection when he ascended, 390 or 380 chose not to go. And we talked about what would keep people from going to get something that God has to offer them. And so we shared on that. And then last week, uh, we moved into more, we recapped some, but we moved more into the weird side of the Holy Spirit. Usually the part of the Holy Spirit that gives everybody the weird willy-jillies or don't understand it. it was the It was the topic of the praying in tongues, speaking in tongues, or the... Um, unknown tongue side of the Holy Spirit. Today I'm going to jump into what, we, what the Bible talks about being the spiritual gifts of the Holy Spirit. Now, I'm not going to do an exhaustive sp- message on each one. I'm actually going to blow through it rather quickly. Um, but I do, I am going to leave with you some of the, the places you can go study because it really doesn't matter how deep I go into it, if God doesn't give you the revelation on it personally, you'll always be questioning it, if that makes any sense. So as a matter of fact, in Romans chapter 1, in verse 11, is the first time spiritual gifts are mentioned. Paul mentioned spiritual gifts in Romans chapter 1. It says, I long to see you so that I may impart Some spiritual gifts to make you strong. That is, that you and I may mutually be encouraged by each other's faith. Paul, that's the first mention of the spiritual gifts in the Bible. Now, what I want to do today is I want to try to kind of explain what a spiritual gift is. When Jesus told us that it was better that He go to heaven and he send the comforter, it was better for us that he do that. It wasn't just to try to be hooky or spooky. As a matter of fact, it was so that the Holy Spirit could come and like we talked about, said be with us and be in us. So when you are saved, it is, we believe that the Holy Spirit comes into you. And it brings life inside of you. Then we also believe, though, that you can, you can have as much of the Holy Spirit as you have room for. The Bible talks about when the Holy Spirit came on, they were filled with the Holy Spirit. So there is a coming in. There is a feeling, but then there's another step called the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And that, the word baptism means immersed. Like, you know, some denominations, what they do is they don't baptize an immersion. They sprinkle. They splash. Or we believe, you know, baptism like Jesus. He was put under the water, came up, baptized in the... We baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. And we also believe that you can live a life, one, full of the Spirit. And the Bible says you can live a life, in the Spirit. And so we believe. You can be full of the Spirit. But there's a lot of days that the Spirit of God is in me. But I'm not really living in Him. A lot of days I'm just living me. And why is that? Because you know I may have the Holy Spirit in me. But I haven't went through the what I call the process. What my process is. Is usually from 6 o'clock to about 6.45. I get up. I get into a place that... I usually use as a personal time with the Lord. My kids ain't up yet. You know, Jennifer's usually using the same time for her. But I get alone with God, and I get into His presence. Now, getting into His presence for me is different every day usually. I usually get, get up, and I go with the plan, alright I'm going to read my Bible first. I'm going to worship, and, you know, I'm going to work through the prayer. But then some days I, I get up, and I get in there, and I feel the Holy Spirit say, I just want you to sit and be quiet for a little bit. And there are days I'll just sit there and I'll get quiet. And there'll be days that i feel like the Lord said, I want you to open up the Bible and begin to read. And I'll get in there and begin to read. There are some days I get into the presence and he just begins to speak to me. But what happens is I feel it in my life is when I get into his presence at the beginning of my day, I feel the presence of God filling me up. Now, there comes a point in my time with the Lord in the mornings that, and there's some mornings that when I feel the presence of God filling me up, I get up and I, I go on and live and go out through my day. Now, some people have told me this in the past. When they come to church, they leave and they feel like they are full. How many of you guys have ever came to church and you came in and when you left church, you felt, when you walked out, you felt like you were full? All right? I'm, I'm trying to explain the, the feeling of the Holy Spirit. The reason why I'm... The word be filled with the Holy Spirit, that is actually out of a reoccurring verb word, meaning that you need to continually be filled because the thing about it is we talked about everybody you come in contact with, you are pouring into them or they are pouring into you. And so, I may, if I start my day out full, I get halfway through the day, and depending on those that I ran into, I can begin to pour out, and I'll find myself empty halfway through my day or by the end of the day, so I need to be refilled up again. See, some people believe when they are filled with the Holy Spirit, they only needed to get it one time. The truth is this, you, Jesus constantly, you found Him constantly drawing away and getting into prayer or getting into the presence of God because even Jesus had to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And so when we get into the presence of God, what happens is we get full of the Holy Spirit. But then I found this. There's another level. I can get, I can get into the presence of God and I can get full of the Holy Spirit to be able to go out and do my day. But then what I found out is this. I can stay there a little longer. And stay in God's presence a little more and not just to be full, but He begins to overflow in me. And so when I walk out of the time, my time with the Lord, I'm not just full for myself, but now I am... Dripping wet in the Holy Ghost. So when I walk into a room, it's not just my presence walking into the room. It's the presence of the Holy Spirit walking in there with me. I don't know if you've ever noticed that. There are certain people that have such commanding presences. When they walk into the room, it's like you can feel it. Have you ever noticed that? And there are people that um, have spent such time in the Lord that when they walk in a room, you feel the Holy Spirit walk into the room with them as well. And that's what we believe is being baptized in the Holy Spirit. Not just Him being in you, but you now living a life in Him. And when you're living a life in Him, what He does, He's just not doing a work on the inside of you. But now He's using you and he's, you're, it's, you're, you're baptized in Him, you're immersed in Him. He's doing a work in the world on the outside of you through you too. And that's God's plan. So the way he does that, though, is the Bible says that God gave us gifts. And he gave us gifts when the Holy Spirit came upon us. Now, what are gifts? Gifts are, if you need a working definition, it is a supernatural ability to do and be what God has called and made you to do and be in the church and in the world. In other words, there are supernatural abilities that the Holy Spirit will give you. And when He gives you these supernatural abilities, it will, they will be gifts for you to accomplish what you do in the church and in the world. Now, there are actually four lists of spiritual gifts in the Bible, in the New Testament. Um, and we're going to hit the two major groups today. Because, um, and I'll give you the reference to the other two that you can do your study on yourself. Because, see, God didn't just fill you and then baptize you in the Holy Spirit for you to then have to go out and do this on your own. He's going to equip you with supernatural abilities. Now, you say, well, Craig, what, what are supernatural abilities? Um, let me go over a list with you real quick. Is that okay? All right. First of all, we're going to read in First Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1, and then we'll skip to 4 through 6. It says, Now, about scared, spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be ignorant. All right? Now, A lot of times I have found in my life that being ignorant of something costs me a lot. As a matter of fact, I'm embarrassed to say this, but I took a suit jacket out of my closet the other day because I don't wear suits often. I wear jackets a lot, but I don't wear suits. If you want me to marry you or bury you, I'll usually put on the matching pants. But I pulled a suit out of my closet the other day that I probably hadn't worn in, I'd say, probably two years And uh, I pulled out to see if it looked good with jeans. And so when I pulled it out, I put it on and I felt something in my pocket. And I thought, weird. And so I pulled out out a card. I opened that card. And it was a thank you card from somebody. And they had put a $100 check in that card. And ignorant me. Two years ago, I could have used that $100. But now I never opened that card. Two years later, that check is void. It's no good. Somebody loved me enough two years ago to give me something that really could have helped me out in a lot of ways. I mean, I don't know what two years ago I was facing, but I guarantee you, $100 would have been nice. But because I was too ignorant when they handed it for it to get in my pocket, they didn't just come in and slip it in there and I didn't know. I was actually giving it and I put it in my pocket and when I put it in my pocket, I got busy doing or just didn't make it that important to me. And I did not pull it back out and see what somebody gave me. And the truth is, that was just stupid of me. Just stupid. And so I told Jen, Jen, um, mail it back to them. See if they'll send us another one. <laughs> no, I'm playing. I didn't. I, I need to send them a thank you card because I never did thank them for it, obviously, because I didn't know it was there. But um, it was ignorant. That was just ignorant of me. And Paul said, here, I don't want you to be ignorant, brethren, of spiritual gifts. Because you can be. And if you're ignorant of spiritual gifts, you could be trying to do what God wants you to do. You've got exactly what you need to do it. But because you are ignorant of it, you're not using what's available to you. And so you're trying to do it on your own effort or on your own strength or of your own Power. And the Bible says that you don't have to do that. It's not by might nor by power, but it's by my Spirit, says the Lord. The Spirit, when He came, this is what I love about it. Why is it good that Jesus go away? I think it would be kind of cool if Jesus was still here. But when Jesus was here, He had the gifts. And He flowed in the gifts. But when he left, he said, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. He's going to come to you. And he is the comforter. And he is the guide. And he's the paraclete. He's the leader. He's the counselor. He's all that. But he also brought gifts. And now, not just does Jesus have the gift, but the Holy Spirit has given them to us to use. And that's amazing. Now, the gifts of the Holy Spirit can be seen all the way through the Bible, not just New Testament. It's in the Old Testament, too. But it was a little different in the Old Testament. Like, for example, one of the gifts of the Holy Spirit is shown in the story of Samson. Samson was just a regular guy. And, you know, a lot of times you see pictures drawn of Samson, and he's this big muscle man. You know what I'm saying? But I don't see the Scripture describing Samson that way. Because, as a matter of fact, if you read the story of Samson... When, they, when he got his girlfriend Delilah, they, were coming, they wanted to find out where does his strength come from. So if he had these big muscles, they would have probably thought it's coming from the big muscles. Because when I see a big guy, I think that dude's strong. All right? But they were perplexed that Samuel, I mean Samson was so powerful and strong. But the Bible says that he wasn't strong until the Holy Spirit came upon him. So one of the gifts that the Holy Spirit brings is showing those is strength, the strength of supernatural ability. The Holy Spirit will bring into your life. But we'll read here. It says this. It says there are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of workings, but the same God works all of them. In all men. Now there are multiple different gifts. Like I told you, there are four different lists of gifts in the New Testament. And there are two what they call major lists of them. And then there are other gifts. But we're going to talk about but before, one of them. Alright, we'll read in verse 7. It says, A spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help one another. Okay? So these gifts were not given to us for us. They were given to us for a purpose. In a ministry. We are to, like I say, the Holy Spirit comes in you and fills you for you. But then when you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, it's the outside. You are in Him. And so He gives you gifts to be able to help outside for you to help the church and for you to make a difference in the world. Because you have the ability, once the Holy Spirit's in you, to have supernatural ability to make a difference in this world. And it's not going to be done by your might. It's not going to be done by it. But God has given us gifts. Now, let me bring up five myths real quick about... That a lot of people don't understand about gifts is this. Spiritual gifts are not natural talents. They're not natural talents. They are actually supernatural powers, gifts that God gives us. For example, Miss Leah was not using a spiritual gift when she was singing in here this morning. She was using a natural talent that God had given her. Natural talents are different than spiritual gifts. That voice, that was powerful. But whether or not she serves the Lord, she's still going to have that voice. That, the Bible says that God gave the Christians spiritual gifts so that they can make a difference in the church and a difference in the world. But it's not a natural gift. There are people that are naturally gifted to do things. You know, there are people that are naturally gifted to sing, are naturally gifted to play, um, piano, naturally gifted to lead, natural, naturally gifted to do things. Now, spiritual gifts are not natural giftings. But you can use spiritual giftings in your natural gifts. And they enhance your, spirit, your, your natural gifts, but they are used to do things that your natural gift cannot do. For example, like Miss Leah's voice, naturally... It's pleasant to listen to. But when, it's at, when there's a spiritual gift activated into it, God uses that voice not to just be pleasant to listen to, but to speak to you prophetically, even in words of knowledge or words of wisdom. God can use that. It's a different than a spiritual gift. So number one, they're not natural gifts. Number two, they're not only given to the elite or the spiritual. It says He's given them to all believers. You don't have to have a Bible school degree. To have a spiritual gift. As a matter of fact, everyone has been given them that is filled and baptized in the Holy Spirit. If, if you, you know, the Bible, Paul said this, he says, pursue love, but desire spiritual gifts. He wants everyone to have them. They're not just for, like when we bring in prophets at the beginning of the year to speak over. That Those aren't the only people that have those gifts. Everyone in here has the ability, one, to receive spiritual gifts, but then number two, everyone that is Saved and is a believer, they're at your disposal. Now, the next one is they are not a sign of spiritual maturity. Spiritual gifts are not a sign of spiritual maturity. As a matter of fact, there are times in the Bible when somebody got saved, they instantly started prophesying. Or they instantly started flowing in different gifts. So it's not a sign. And a lot of times, because somebody, you know, will flow in a spiritual gift, other people will step back and think, like, wow, that's a really strong, spiritual, mature Christian. No, that's not a sign of that. The Holy Spirit is the Holy Spirit, whether he's on a baby or he's on a, a 40-year-old adult. You know, as if it was a sign of um, spiritual maturity, that means the donkey in the Bible that the Spirit of the Lord began to have taught would have been a spiritually mature animal. But it wasn't. It was a gift of the Holy Spirit at work, doing supernatural work at that moment. And I don't see that donkey being a spiritually mature Christian. So I've known spiritual... So I've had, as a matter of fact, I've had spiritually new Christians that aren't really mature in their walk of life, but they'll come up and tell me something that the Lord told them in a service for me, and it'd be dead on. Dead on. And they, they, God, when they were saved, they became believers, they accepted the Holy Spirit, filled them up, and they were baptized, and they were beginning to flow in gifts. And they didn't even understand it, but they were being used by God to help me. And I love that the power of the gifts of the Spirit are that way. next one is this. They are nothing to fear. Nothing to fear. I know a lot of times when we, when the gifts of the Spirit are actually functioning in our church, I used to think this all the time. When they would bring in a prophet, I would think, oh Lord Jesus, please don't let tell him what I'm doing. And there'd be times I wouldn't go up in the prayer line because I was so afraid that he was going to announce in front of everybody the jump that I had going on in my life or the mistakes that I'd made. It's not the way it works. You've got nothing to be afraid of. Never has a spiritual gift God used, or given or used a spiritual gift and it hurts somebody. Now, there are people that will flow in the flesh and try to claim it's a spiritual, but the Bible says that love, which is, it says pursue love, which is the most desirable gift, is, it says um, that it, it doesn't hurt. It, it doesn't, Now, I've seen though, when someone would come up and be prayed for and the gift of the Spirit would happen and they would call out a sin on somebody. But that person desperately needed that turn in their life right then. And I did not see that person get up. I've never seen a person leave the altar hurt when there was a, a, like a, an exposing or a calling. out. That person was so relieved that God was finally going to set them free or get them. But I've never seen the Holy Spirit or a gift of the Spirit hurt somebody Seen it freak some people out, but never hurt nobody, all right? So, those are the myths, real quick, I want to do. Now, I want to read to you Romans chapter 12, verse 6 and 8. And it says this this is one of the lists we're going to focus on today. It says, In His grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. Now, real clear, it tells it why, why He gave us these gifts so that you can do what you do well. God, God wants you to be successful. He, his plan for you is to succeed. And He's gifted you. He says, that's why it's better. He sent the Holy Spirit so that when, the gifts, when you see the gifts, it will help you do things well. The things that God has called you to do, they're to help you do them well. I love that because I don't preach very well. That's why I'm so dependent on the Holy Spirit that God could ever use anything I say because I know this without the gifts of the Holy Spirit flowing into my life, I, want, I, I can't hardly do anything well. I, you know, and so my thing is, I am so, I am so thankful for the gifts, because if anybody's ever been ministered to from me, I promise you, it was from the Holy Spirit. And I'm so thankful that He's given us these gifts. And anything you do for God, He will empower you to be able to do it well. And I love that about how He wants me to succeed. Alright? Here it says this, it says... It says he will, certain things will do well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, prophecy is one gift. Right? Speak out with as much faith as God has given you. Now, has anybody ever felt what the spirit of prophecy is? Now, prophecy is not fortune-telling. A lot of times people think, alright, this person prophesied over me, and they said that I'm going to be a youth pastor, and... So, they keep living the way they want to, doing life how they want to, because they've got this prophecy, for say, or they think a fortune told about them, that no matter what they do at this point going forward, it's going to come about. That's not what prophecy is. It's not fortune. To... Prophecy is this. It is someone for God, uh, speaking something out for the Lord. In other words, it is someone proclaiming what God is saying. Now, some people would call what I'm doing right now prophesying. I'm, I'm speaking out the word of the Lord. I call this exhorting or preaching or teaching. But some people would call when you preach prophesying. Some people, when they do preach, they prophesy. Have you, but the gift of prophecy is not necessarily what I'm doing now. The gift of prophecy is this. When, and this only happened to me a couple times... In my life, I, I don't flow real strong in the gift of prophecy. Usually if I got, give, receive a gift of prophecy, it usually comes through the form of a message, uh, a sermon that the Lord gives me to preach and prophesy to the church. But I have been sitting with someone and it happened just about three years ago. A lady came in and her certain her situation at home was so horrible and so bad. And you know, she had kids and she was trying to raise them on her own. I remember praying for her. She came up to an altar and asked me to pray with her that situation's financial and home life would change. And as I was praying for her, it was like it, it would be like words were coming up inside of me so strong that I couldn't that and so I was I would open my mouth and said this time next year, you will have your children at Disney World. Now, that sounds crazy. And honestly, the minute I said that, I felt, oh my goodness. What if it doesn't happen? And I got to be honest with you, I, that was not me. Because why in the world would I be thinking this lady needs to go to Disney World? I, mean, I don't know her situation. I don't know if she wants to go to Disney World. She might be one of the people that banned Disney World, you know, boycott it and all. I, I, but I said it and it, was, it came up in me so strong. And, and when I said it though, instantly tears started rushing down her face. She just broke and cried. And she said, I have told my children, as long as I can remember that one day I'm going to take you guys to Disney World. And within the next year she took them. But I was nervous because <laughs> I was like, oh my God. Saying this, say this. I don't know where that came from, other than a prophetic gift. Now I don't flow in that all the time. One or two times in my life, do I have I had that happen? But when I was about um, twenty-two years old, or no, I guess it was I was twenty-four, I was pastoring for my father. I was his children's pastor, and you know, the church was going good. We, it was growing faster, never grown. The children's church, we had taken it from 20 to about 300 at the time. And the door had opened where I was getting to travel and do a lot of conference speaking at conferences on children's ministry and things like that. And, man, I was completely happy where I was going. And out of the blue one day, I was speaking at a conference, actually in Nashville, Tennessee. And um, when I was speaking, I didn't know anybody in the room, but I walked out and left. And thought it was just a regular conference, got my check, happy about that, and uh, came back to Arkansas. And I got a call on a Monday from a man that I had no idea what his name was, and his name was um, Shane Simmons. He was the ministry administrator for Carl Strader. And he said, hey, uh, Carl Strader was in your conference there, and he wanted to know, would you come out to Florida and uh, talk to us about some things? And um, long story short, I didn't know what all it was. So I went it was the third largest church in America at the time. Uh, met with me. We actually ended up meeting in Baton Rouge. And they offered me a job. And you got to understand, this church was a booming church. It was a history-making church. Some of the, One of the greatest revivals in America had hit at this church. And um, so I was like, wow, really blown away by the opportunity. But scared to death. Did not know if I could do it. I was going from a little church in a little town, going to Carpenter's Home Church, and the, the children's pastors and youth pastors before me were world changers. Um, Bill Wilson was a youth children's pastor at that church before. Um, Eastman Curtis was a youth pastor at that church before. You know, John Jacobs was a youth pastor at that church before. Some of the greatest youth and children's pastors in the world have, have been at that church before. And that church made their careers. Or made their ministries, I say. And so... They And so, I I mean, I was shaking almost in my boots, what to do, what to do, what to do. Well, the only other person I had even told about the phone call was my father. I asked my dad to pray with me about it. We didn't tell anybody else because at that time, if the church thought I was leaving, the parents and the kids, we didn't want to hurt them at that point or anything like that. So we didn't tell anybody even about the phone call. But we had, it was the first year we had Bill Norton at our church and he flows in the gift of prophecy, all right? And I wasn't going to go up. I didn't, you know what I'm saying? But I was sitting on it. He called me up on the stage. And he said this. He said, the Lord is calling you out of this house. He's going to put you in a church that's on a national stage. He's going to put a pioneering spirit on you. He said, what you will learn in this next season, you will bring back to this house to help build the future of this house in years to come. He knew nothing about the phone call I had. He knew nothing I had the opportunity to go to a national stage and learn ministry on a national level. But it was the gift of prophecy. And so, man, it's a powerful gift. I've got to speed up, but you know, that, there's one. There's, so it says, when you speak out in prophecy, you speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. There are some people that have the gift of serving others. Now... I love this list of gifts because what I like to call these gifts is the working gifts. These are the gifts that God gives people to work in the ministry. And it's a supernatural thing and God is not a natural talent but is a supernatural thing. And you can tell when things are supernatural because they're connected to your heart. We have one in our church that is very dominant in this gift and her name is um, Linda Dixon. Linda Dixon has the gift of serving people in the church. That's why she tries to make every meal and everything we do so perfect. Me and her clash a lot of times on some of our events because she gets so detail oriented and my personality is to let's look at the big picture and she's wanting me to get the the silverware right and all that I'm like let's just blow past it. Let's get this and have a great time. And but her gift is serving well and every time we have an event I try to run her out of here. I'm like, hey get out of here. We'll pay somebody and she won't. She's usually the last one to leave this building after any event we have because it is a gift that she flows in and it is a supernatural thing. And so that is a gift for some of us having to so, got to be honest with you. I wish I had more of this one. I wish because out of all the gifts that are out there man to me in the position that I'm in at a church I watch this one and how valuable this one is. I'd say another person's got is it, Doris. How many of you guys have noticed the serving will in there? Doris will bring people food in there and I wish I had more of this one. And you say, well, Cricket, that's not right. You should be happy with No, the Bible tells me desire spiritual gifts. I wish I had more of this, and I ask for this one constantly. All right, so there's that gift. Then there's this. It says, um, it says, um, if you are a teacher, teach well. If your gift is encouraging others, be an encourager. You don't understand how powerful that gift is. Miss Lovey, I'm going to point you out. I'm, I'm pointing out people that so you can recognize it and I can prove Miss Lovey has this one because no matter what service is preached at in this church you can get on our Facebook whether she's present or not in the country or not you can look on our Facebook and look at the comments she leaves about that service and she, there's not a service that does not happen. There's not a service that we have. There's not a service that I preach. That at some point in the next hour or two hours, Ms. Lovey's not going to encourage me about that message. And I know a lot of times when I walk out of here, it was the absolute worst message anybody has ever set through. And I know I walk out of here like, Oh, Lord, please do something with that. Please let people want to come back to hear maybe somebody else. Pray. But it's without fail. Because I don't know if you've ever ministered or preached or been dependent on the Holy Spirit, but when you walk off the stage, any preacher I know, when they walk off the stage, the question is, did God use me? And you don't understand, there would be some Sundays... That would be so difficult. This is one of the because this one of them weird services that I'm going to be preaching. But you don't know when you walk off the stage if God used anything that took place in there. We know the word of God never returns void, but you walk out of here not knowing. And then it's those that are flowing in the gift of encouragement that will pick you up. And like I say, every I I can almost put a pin on it. I'm going to hit Farmerville, and I'm going to get a text from Miss Levy, and say, "Powerful service today." Thank you. Yeah, Just encouraging me because there's a lot of services I walk out of here thinking, Lord, only one person wanted to get saved when I knew there were five other heathens in the room. Right? <laughs> it's, it's, you, just, you just... And Jennifer, my wife, has that. And my wife, like I say, she's always sending emails to different preachers that we support and we like. And like, Jim, I asked her other day, I said, why are you emailing him tonight? She goes, because I know he preached this morning. And I want him to know that God used him because I know the enemy's never gonna let him know that. And so she types out emails and that that is such a powerful gift. You don't understand. When when you flow in that gift and you allow God and that but that's not natural for everybody. That's not that's and as a matter of fact, at the level it's used at, like Miss Lovey, it's a sp- supernatural thing. Say, well, she's just that kind. Well, Mr. Roy, does she encourage you on everything you do? <laughs> <laughs> so I know it's a natural gift. <laughs> Like Jennifer, Jennifer, in my life, I'll do some big stuff, good stuff at the house, and I'm not getting that encouragement. I know it's a gift from God. She's flowing in, and that kind of stuff, right? But so there's the gift of encouragement. Then it says, "Is if you if you're a teacher, teach well. If you uh, have the gift to encourage others, be encouraging. It is if it's the gift of giving, give generously, right? Then it says, if it is if God has given you leadership ability." Take the responsibility seriously. Now, let's go to this one real quick for a minute. Leadership ability, everybody does not have it. As a matter of fact, jobs that you can get in this, in the, in outside there, now all the big companies, they give you these tests to see if you even have leadership abilities because not everybody has them. And the Bible says here that it's a gift from the Holy Spirit. So if you have this gift, then you should use it. And the Bible says this, that the gifts were given to help one another talking about Christians in the church and then into the world. So there it's amazing to me how many leaders outside the church they lead but they don't come inside the church and use their gift at all. If you have this gift, it is the will of God for you to use it in the church and in the world. It's not just to use it in the world and get a, and then you come to church. These gifts were given for you to be you to for you to use. And it says, God give the gift, of the, use it responsibly and seriously. And if you have the gift of showing kindness to others, do it gladly. Amen. Amen. This is another one I see Miss Doris flow in constantly. Is the gift of kindness. And I, I'm calling out people and things like that because I want you to say, I know Miss Doris touches everybody in this church with kindness. And that is a gift, a supernatural thing. Because I've got to be honest with you, nobody's that nice. nobody is. If that wasn't from God. (laughs) Because I know she has hard days. Now, I love, you say, well, Cricket, I don't know which one I have. Well, there's kind of what they call the apple pie test in this working working list of gifts that I love. The apple pie test is if you were sitting at a table with somebody and they had an apple pie on a plate and it was sitting right on the edge of their table and they went down to take a bite and when they did when they stuck the fork in it flipped off the pie hit them on their shirt made a huge mess what would your response be they say if your response to one of these it helps you just kind of understand what your gifting is number one if it happened and it fell on you and your first reaction was i knew that was going to happen you idiot i would have told you it was going to happen if you would have just asked me well if that was your i'm just going to be honest that's mine um, then most likely you have the gift of prophecy. Yeah, you, you knew it was going to happen. You just didn't say anything. All right? So, but then not everybody would respond that way. The next one is this. You know, if, if, you, if it happens and it hits them and you jump up and say, oh, let me help you clean that up. I hate that For you get up and clean it. And you start wiping them to get the napkin and wipe it off. Then you more than likely have the gift of service. Because you, you were considered, the natural gift for you was to respond out of getting up and helping them, all right? Then there's some people that when it happened, they say, you know what? I've researched why pies fall off tables. And the reason why pies fall off tables is because there's gravity at place. And you know, when you got that plate, too, that plate too close to the edge and gravity took place and flipped over and you know, when it hit your shirt, now let me tell you how to clean that shirt. You probably have the gift of teaching. If... If your mind goes to trying to explain the situation, you probably have the gift of teaching. Alright? Next one is, if when it fell and hit them on their plate, your first response is to take your plate that has that pile side over I'm so here, take mine. You probably have the gift of giving. God has gifted you with the supernatural gift because what you have, you're wanting to share and make it better or be used in a good way. Alright? Next one is, if we... Um, if it falls and it hits you, then the next one that if your response would be, we can get out. Listen, jump up real quick. Here, come up. You guys come over here and help me clean this up. Uh, hey, the one sitting over on the other table, move around here. You get the plate. I'll get the fork. You know what I'm saying? Here's that. You probably have the gift of leading. Yeah, you have a vision of how to get everybody involved to clean up the mess that was made. Then you probably have the gift of of a vision. Next is if you this is if it hits you and you're like. When it when the pie hits someone, instantly you feel it in your heart that you're sorry for them. You're sorry that they were embarrassed. You're sorry that they you know what I'm saying this happened to their shirt. You, you you your heart just sinks. I don't have this one, so it's hard for me to understand how people think this way. I'm very low in mercy, and Jennifer will tell you that I, I that's just not um, a strength in mind. That gift's not real strong in me. Then you have the gift of mercy if you. Jennifer instantly if someone tells Jennifer they're hurting she hurts if somebody tells me they're hurting I usually try to tell them how to quit hurting right I don't but see that if you if you hurt for others and you hurt with others it's usually the gift of mercy and that's a spiritual gift now thing about gifts is this they are supernatural they're given to you by God and God wants to use them now Those are your working gifts. But then there's another list of gifts that the Bible says that are more or less not working gifts, but they are what they call power gifts. And in the power gifts, there is the prophecy, the word of knowledge, the word of wisdom, the um, working of miracles, the gift of faith. Now, I have the gift of faith. That's probably the most dominant gift in my life. And you say, well, boy, you sure are being conceited. Not really. The, you, when you meet somebody with the gift of faith, it's not that they're that the they um, supernatural miracle worker. Like with me, it's very hard to convince me that we can't do anything. I've got to be honest with that. And if you spend any time with me at all, I am convinced with the power of God there's nothing we cannot do. And it's not a fake. It's not a... You know, not everybody... And it took me a long time to realize that not everybody's that way. And not everybody's been gifted that way. Because, like, there are other people that aren't real strong in the gift of faith. And you got to really encourage them and talk them into going forward in any way. My problem, the problem with the gift of faith is I'm usually running full stream at it before anybody even realizes we're going that way. And I'm usually going there alone. And, but just like when it came to building the church here in El Dorado, everybody told me no. It can't happen. I actually went to two people said, I know God wants there to be a church in El Dorado and I will support you in every way if you will pastor it. And both of those people although they felt called to the ministry and felt called to pastor, neither one of them had the faith that this church could build here. Well then I remember thinking all right, none of these pastors that are way better pastors than me, because right, I wasn't a pastor, I was an evangelist. That's what my job was. And I was thinking "You know, there's no way that I can do that. And then all of a sudden the gift of faith kicked in. Well, why not? Why not? The pastors don't want to do it. You know God wants to do it. Then just go do it. and. There were days I've questioned, what I really but even what made me step out and quit, I, me and Jennifer were passing around an amazing church. Me and Jennifer together were making well over six figures a year. We had a very good life. We lived in a very nice area. We lived in the, you know, right in the Fort Myers coastal area. Thought I would die there when God told me to go to El Ray. That makes no sense for us to walk away from that to come here, but I knew God would do it. And I also knew this, that if I got out of the will of God, I would be unhappy no matter where I lived. And I had enough faith to know that. So we packed up and we came. What I'm saying is this, the gift of faith is, is I love, I, I can identify it in certain people, because some people call them risk takers. You ever met a risk taker? It's usually not a risk taker. Stacy is a major gift of faith guy. That man will do the craziest stuff you've ever heard. Who would have ever thought you could build a life and raise a family and be very successful selling acorns. Man, that's the gift of faith. And he walked away from companies to do that. I mean, but give it, so that, I love to see that one out there. Um, but then there is the gift of tongues. And the gift of interpretation of tongues. Now these these gifts are what I call power gifts. There are people that have the gift of miracles. And I know several of them. And when I get sick or I need a miracle, I call them to pray for me or in our situations because not everybody has that gift. You understand? Know everybody has gifts, but not everybody functions in every gift. He says, I gave one the gift of miracles and one the gift of faith and one the gift of prophecy, Bill, uh, David Cuppet one of the most prophetic active guys i know me and him play off each other all the time usually with every within every week or two weeks he calls me because he does not function strong in the area of fa- in the gift of faith which i do and so he'll call me saying "cricket" Man, I'm facing this. Like, we just had this conversation a week ago. Called me and said, Man, this is what we're looking at. What do you feel? Do you think we can do it? Of course I think you can do it. Man, you got this. The gifts just start flowing me. But then there are times I'm needing a word from God over my situation right here, right now. And I'll call David and say, David, what's God telling you? What's God telling you? Because I know you flow in the prophetic gift and David will speak back into my life. Um, To the point where... It's an amazing gift. Why, the reason why I'm going into these gifts with you today is on, there's more of a reason to having the Holy Spirit than just the leading and the, and the comforting and the, 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 paracly, the, the advocate and the, the guide and the teacher. All of that is good. But also, the gifts of the Holy Spirit will empower you to do things in church and in this world that you will never be able to do. And God wants you to be successful. He wants you to accomplish what He's put you here to do. So when He sent the Holy Spirit, He sent gifts to come along with Him. Now, like I say, this is not an exhaustive list. Let me, let me tell you where the other um, lists are. Because I want you to go home and I want you to do your own study on these gifts. Alright? The gifts, the, the, the four area places that the Bible talks about. Because there's the fivefold gifts of the ministry. Which is evangelism, but you remember when the Holy Spirit came on peter peter couldn 't witness to anybody, not even a little girl who was watching Jesus die, but the Bible says when he 's baptized in the Holy Spirit, he stepped out with this spirit with the gift of evangelism, preached, and the church grew thousands in one day. He never was able to do that. it was a supernatural gift, but there are four places in the Bible that tell you where your gifts are, I mean where the lifts of the gifts are, and I want to tell you, give you just five ways to help you locate what yours is and expect to function in them. Alright? The Bible says in four different places, in, in 1 Corinthians 12, there is a list of the gifts. In Romans 12, there is a list. Ephesians 4 talks about the fivefold gifts of the ministry. And 1 Peter talks about the gifts of the, minister, of the Holy Spirit. So you write those down, you do your own study on that, and I want to tell you how you can find out what your gift is. Number one, study the Bible and see what it says about your gifts. Don't be ignorant. You just like that money in my pocket. I never used it because I did not know it was there. Although it was given to me. I was aware that it was given to me. But I never opened it up and investigated what it was inside. You need to investigate. Open your Bible and read about the gifts of the Spirit. All right. number two. Ask God to show you yours. I just understood. I've been pastoring for 23 years now. And I just three years ago recognized the most prominent gift in my life is the gift of faith. I always thought there was something wrong with me. I always thought that because people around me that didn't have the gift of faith even a major mentor in my life used to always tell me man I'm always having to hold you back it's like you're you're a horse and I'm having to pull the reins back you're always trying to step out in areas where there's nothing your feet can land on and literally for years I thought this part of what I thought was my personality my makeup was a flaw and I thought that what this was in me was something that was a negative because I did not understand the gifts of the Spirit. Now that I have found out that one of the predominant gifts in my life is the gift of faith, i got to be honest with you. If you want somebody to pray with you about something, I'm not bragging on me, but I'll believe with you. I believe we can do anything. When Jesus said, if anything, nothing is impossible, if you'll only believe, man, I believe that scripture. And I like to say, I mean, you see these guys like Kenneth Copeland and Jesse Duplantis that, you know, they say, I saw it in the Word, and if the Word said it, I chose to believe it. That, that's where, I mean, I understand that when they say it, because it, but that's a gift of faith. Not everybody's that way. Jennifer, it, 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 we, I am on, uh, I, She's watching. It took me a year to convince her to buy two French Bulldogs. A year. But I knew that it would be a good investment. <laughs> and I was like, Jen, you know, you, 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 we're going to get dogs. The girls want dogs. And let's buy two French Bulldogs. Because French Bulldogs are expensive. They are expensive. All right. Well, I said, well, I believe that if we'll get two French Bulldogs, the girls will get to love their dogs and these will be our friends. But the puppies will buy the girls a car. And Jennifer, it took me a year. She didn't have the gift of faith there. Because to get a French Bulldog is a big investment up front. We got them, all right? This week, I sold two. And I got four. And I will, I mean, we're going to make $8,000 this month off puppies. All right? But it took me a year. To convince her, this is a good idea. They, not everybody has the gift of faith. I, I just knew it would work. Jennifer, th- that, that kind of money to get a dog? And what if that dog dies? And what? You know, I never even thought of that stuff. I just thought, man, God can use dogs in my life. And so I plan on these dogs buying my girls cars when they go to college. You know? And long story short, that's just a practical gift that the Holy Spirit's given me. I just knew we'd go get them dogs, But Which was, i got to be honest with you, I, 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 that's a tough... Peel to swallow to pay that much for a puppy. But then I found out lots of people do that. So if I've got a couple, (laughs) you know what I'm saying? But I'm very sure. We'll make $8,000 this month. That's crazy. But it took me a year to convince Jennifer because she don't have the gift of faith. But what she does have is the gift of, she has the word of knowledge actively at work in her life. And she was preaching the other day on a Wednesday night there in Gulf Shores and In the middle of her message, she stopped and she pointed at this girl. And she said, God's going to restore your children back to you. We didn't know her life. We didn't know any of that. And, man, tears just rushing down. She had just lost her kids in some legal stuff. And she came in there so, and so she flows in that. It's it's amazing what the gifts of God will do in your life. Saying The reason why I wanted to go all over the gifts and that, it's not really what I wanted to preach on today because the praise team is coming now. I wanted you to understand that the Holy Spirit has not just been sent to you to be a friend, although He is. The Holy Spirit has not just been sent to you to be a guide, although He is. The Holy Spirit has not just been sent to you to strengthen you, although He does. The Holy Spirit has not just been sent to you to bring righteousness, peace and joy into your life, although He does. The Holy Spirit, I don't know about you, but I grew up as a child with daydreams of being Superman. I used to play all the time about being Superman. As a matter of fact, I wanted to be Superman so bad, one time I convinced my brother to get on a second story window with me and we jumped out of a window and he bit through his tongue completely because I wanted to fly like Superman. What I've learned about with people though is most people have a desire on the inside of them to have supernatural abilities and supernatural powers that far exceeds their physical limitations. That's why Hollywood, some of the best sellers movies that they put out there, how many times can you retell the story of Batman? I mean, it's insane. But they put a Batman movie out and it millions of dollars. Superman, I mean He changes looks every movie and they're still going to see it. All these super wonder womans and I've learned this, that God has built inside of each one of us a desire to have supernatural abilities. And the thing about it is He put that in us because He has available to you supernatural abilities. You have the possibility to have supernatural powers. They're called in the Bible gifts of the Spirit. That God will supernaturally use you to make a difference in the church and make a difference in the world. And I wanted you to know these things today because everybody in here wants to make a bigger difference in their family, in their job, in this world than they're making right now because God's put that in you. He said He gave you the desires of your heart because He knew if you had that desire and once you got the knowledge that the way for you to do that would be for the Holy Spirit to fill you, baptize you and give you the gifts and you begin to use the gifts because it would be real easy to go through life and not use these weird things. i got to be honest with you. Because sometimes it's hard to wrap your mind around it but God says this. He says, Pursue love and desire spiritual gifts. You've been desiring them your whole life. You just didn't recognize maybe that they were spiritual gifts because when you were a kid and you dreamed about being that superhero, that was the desires that God put in your heart to make a supernatural difference in a natural world. But the thing about it is you only get these things when you desire the Holy Spirit. And you don't run from Him and you don't push Him away or you don't just try to live life without Him. When you move to a place where you see he has all this and you start wanting him, you start valuing him, you start knowing about him, then what happens is he makes these things available to you. Now, going back real quick, the reason why we don't see these gifts functioning in the church like we used to, or even like a lot of us desire them to, is because there's a key component in the word of God that the church has just failed miserably at. Do you want me to tell you why devils have such power in your life and in my life? Why supernatural powers and spiritual wickedness and rulers of darkness can stop and hinder and, and I'm just going to say it, defeat Christians? It's because there's a secret that the church has decided we know it, but we don't choose to practice it. But the gates of hell practices it. And it's called the principle of one accord. Now, the church knows that we're supposed to have unity and the church knows we're supposed to be in one accord. problem is we don't function in it. That's why there are 50... To, every time there's another denomination built, it was because there was a disagreement in the denomination before them and so no longer did the church stay in unity. They, they went in separate ways and they became a different functioning identity. The devil doesn't work that way. The devil understands the power of one accord. I'll show it to you in the Scripture. In Genesis, when they were building the Tower of Babel, the Bible says, God looked down at them and saw them. And it says, and they were all of one heart, all of one mind, and they were in one accord. And he said this, there's absolutely nothing they will not be able to do because they are in one accord. When you come into a place of one accord, you align yourself in the spiritual world for supernatural power. They were trying to build a tower to heaven to get to God. Which, honestly, in the natural, is impossible. But God said, it's not impossible. They're going to do it because they're in one accord. And the Bible says then, God came down and struck their language and they began to speak different languages and they, they got in division and scattered all over the world. In the New Testament, the devil understands one accord. The Bible says that Jesus went into a town. They came to town and there was this little boy living in this grave. And in this grave, he was demon-possessed. And it says when he walked up, the little boy, when Jesus walked up, the little boy ran and kneeled down to Jesus and began to worship him. And Jesus talked to the demon and he says, What is your name? And this is what the devil said. The demons in him says, We are legion. All of them had aligned themselves under one identity. Why could no man cast them out? Why could no man get him free? Because the devil knows the power of one accord. And I'm here to tell you, the devil's not in any kind of confusion on what he's trying to do in your life. He's trying to kill. He's trying to steal. He's trying to destroy. And every demon in hell is aligned themselves under that same exact purpose. That's why we have families fall apart even in church. That's why we have people still addicted in church. That's why we have people dying of cancer and disease in the church. Is because see the devil understands the power of one accord. And every demon and every devil in hell gets a lot they this is we are many, we are legion, and we are many. Every one of them had aligned themselves under one identity. And that's why they were able to keep that. Because you say, well, he wasn't a Christian. Well, he was worshiping God. He ran down and worshiped Jesus. But he was still bound and, and still couldn't get free and still possessed by them Because when anything gets in one accord, there's nothing they can't do. That's God's own words. Now, you got to understand this. There were 500 told to go to Jerusalem. 380 didn't. 120 did. And when they got there, you would think, right when they walked in and sat down, the Holy Spirit should have fell. And everybody says, well, they they had to wait for the day of Pentecost. No. The word Pentecost comes out of two words, which simply means 5 to the 10th power. Which means 50 days. The day of Pentecost is 50 days. The day of Pentecost came 50 days after Jesus had um, resurrected. That's all it is. It was a date counter. Pentecost. Now we say the word Pentecost, everybody freaks out. You know, that one word right there has split more churches down the middle than any other word. Five to the tenth power. But see, because we don't understand the power of one accord, when they got there on day 40, the Bible says they had to wait ten days. What were they waiting for? Why didn't God just move? Because the Bible says in the next scripture, when... They were all in one accord. The power of one accord in your family, in your church, in our city, in our nation, is the power for the Holy Spirit to come in and release supernatural power and gifts of the Spirit. When we as a church align ourselves, now think about this. It says when they all, now when is a word we use in the English language to dictate amount of time meaning that when that there was time there but it wasn't any specific time it was just time waiting for something to happen I believe this in our church and in our house and in our families in your life God is waiting for the right time to be able to do what it is you've been asking God to do through the power of his Holy Spirit So what do we do? It says, when they all... Now, this is very important. And I'm going to close with this. And I'm going to ask you to stay with me just a couple minutes. I'm tired of the devil fighting our church in one accord. I'm ready for our church to be able to understand what it means to be in one accord. It says, when they all... That means it could have been 119 of them for five days been in the right thinking. But just one of them was keeping it from happening. How sad would that have been if I would have been the one... Keeping the Holy Spirit from changing the world. I mean, I think about that all the time. I wonder which one was the last one to line up. Because that's probably me. I would have probably, in that group, would have been, that would have been me. And everybody was waiting on me to get it together. Is God waiting on me right now? I'm always like, God, I want to get in one accord. I want to get all together. Well, what does one accord mean? Doing the same thing at the same time for the same reason. Same thing, same time. Same reason. Now let me tell you why I think it took 10 days. You want my professional opinion? ask Jennifer that all the time. And she usually says no. But see, we call it, when we read in the Bible, it says on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit come. That's not what it was actually called. It was actually called, on that day, it was actually called the Feast of Weeks. The 10 days before then, there was not any specific event going on. But on the 10th day, there was what they called a Feast of Weeks. Now, they, the children of Israel celebrate three major feasts a year. There's the Passover, which happened 50 days before Pentecost or the Feast of Weeks. It's always Passover. Then it's 50 days and they do the Feast of Weeks. And so the tradition was on all three of these feasts that all the men of Israel would come into Jerusalem and make on their offerings. And so for the first I believe for the first 9 days because I know church people and I know me that you can't get 120 people in the same room doing the same thing for the same reason in a year much less 10 days so what was it that changed in the fir- in those t- the first 9 days they couldn't get it together because it didn't say and on the feast of weeks it became pentecost when it when the holy spirit came in but it says it says that they the first nine days they were not obviously not in one accord but on the 10th day they got in one accord and i believe this is because they were all jews you say well what does that mean cricket they had been taught for thousands of years on that day they were to do a ritual they were taught to do the same thing at the same time for the same reason and on that day became the Feast of Jews. So they wasn't arguing what song we should sing. It's been traditionally already laid out for thousands of years what song to sing. All right, what food to eat. They were to eat unleavened bread on the Feast of Wheat. So they didn't argue what are we going to have for lunch. They already knew they were all Jews. Their dominant Jew heritage outrode their own personal opinion. And what am I trying to say? I'm trying to say this when we all decide to be Christians and let it outride our own personal opinions, I believe we will get into one accord. And I do believe the power of the Holy Spirit will show up in this church with the gifts of miracles and prophecy and words of knowledge. And, and I believe that we will all begin to experience supernatural power. You say, well, how do I be a Christian? Well, the first thing a Christian, and this is why I was asking God, as God I want to start something. I want to talk about this gifts first because I wanted you to realize God's got some power for you. And if you want it, you can have it. It will just take us doing something. It's going to take us all getting in one accord. And so I was like, God, how do we get in one accord? How how did they do it? They were all Jews. And they started going through the process of the feast. It was the first day they all were doing the same thing for the same reason, at the same purpose, at the same time. And then what happened was the power of the Holy Ghost fought. He just waiting for those moments. And so as Christians, the number one thing we're to do in our lives... If you do nothing else, you can be a successful Christian with this. It's even stated in the Ten Commandments. Have no other God before me. One prayer says, only worship the true God. So how do we get, honestly, this is what I say all the time, especially when we build buildings and go forward. There's, there's probably 300 people present in our church today. Alright, how do you get 300 opinions to all go in the same direction? Well, you don't listen to opinions. you got to put opinions to the back burner. Everybody's got one. It's like armpits. I've got two. Alright? And most opinions stink. The, the thing about an opinion is this. We don't do this because of what you think and I think. We take what we think and we put it behind what we're here for. And what we're here for is we came in here to worship the one true God. So how do we get a church? And I don't care if you think, if your opinion as a preacher shouldn't wear pants. That can't that won't stop you from worshiping God today. I mean, we shouldn't wear jeans. I don't, I don't, you know. But the truth is, your opinion may be right. I just may not be a good preacher. Um, your opinion may be that a church mainly should be predominantly one color. You know, that's your opinion. Put it out the window because that's never going to happen in this church. We believe that God's called the church to be the people of He's called to, and I believe. And so, your opinion may be. That you should have to sing gospel songs. Well, the thing about it is, you don't want me to worship with you singing gospel songs. I have no rhythm. And so if I'm going to get in one accord with you, you better not pick a complicated rhythm song. I can't even clap on beat. Alright? So, you may not like the type of music. That's your opinion. It doesn't stop you from lifting your voice. What I'm here to say is this. I truly believe this. That when we make being a Christian, just like the predominant thought pattern of them being a Jew overrode their opinions and their wants and their desire. When we make the predominant motion we take of being Christians, and we put aside any politics, any feeling, and we just make a choice to worship God. And it's got, this is the thing about it, it's going to take everybody doing it. Everybody doing it. Because it says when they were all in one accord, and this, I know I'm about to throw a monkey on everybody's wrench, or wrenching everybody's whatever, however you say it. Right? Because what I want to do is I want to ask for Five minutes of us finding out and seeing what one accord looks like. And I'm going to ask, and I know this is weird because there's some people that have never done this before. You may have been in this church for 10 years and you've never done this before. I'm fixing to ask you, so I'm going to give you a chance to jump up and run out when I say it, I'm going to tell you first, you'll have just a couple minutes to get out of the room before I ask you to do it, okay? I'm going to ask everybody in this room, from the ushers to the sound men, to anyone in this place to come to the front. And you say, Why come to the front? Because it's real easy to be distracted in the back. And the Bible says that Paul was preaching a message one time and the house was full and there was a young guy that was sitting in the back and he moved to a comfortable spot and he sat in a window and while he was sitting in a window he fell asleep and flipped out the second story window, hit the ground and died. But they had already had Pentecost so Paul was filled with the power of the Holy Spirit and he walked up and raised him from the dead. i got to be honest with you, I don't know if i got the faith to do that. So, what I'm going to pull it by up front and I'm going to ask for five minutes... That you focus on just worshiping God, because see you may have, we already went through a worship service, and you may have been thinking about the checks you got to write, or you, everything else I would, but for five minutes, I want us to focus on being a Christian. And the number one thing about it we do as a Christian is we worship. Adam was created. To worship God. You were created to worship God. As a matter of fact, He gave you everything you need to be able to worship God because He let everything that has breath praise the Lord. You don't even got to have talent, rhythm, gifts. I don't have any of that. So I can't sing on tune. I can't clap on beat. But I have the ability to make a joyful noise and worship God. But the Bible says when they were in one accord, the Holy Spirit... And I picture this in my mind that the Holy Spirit just sitting in heaven waiting for all the pieces to come together so that he can jump into whatever situation will come into one accord. Because there is power when there is in one accord. The devil knows it. That's why he's had doorways into a lot of our lives. They fight with one accord. They fight with one purpose. And they fight for one reason. When we worship, not for any other reason, to look spiritual, but worship to worship the one true God. And you say, well, Cricket, I already did that this morning. Yeah, but there were some in here that didn't. And the Bible says when they were all In one accord. So what I'm going to ask is just five minutes that... And you don't got to get to other. Just get somewhere comfortable up here. And we take five minutes and Jerry and Leah are going to lead us in a worship. And I believe when we begin to worship and we learn to worship... You say, well, do you think it's going to happen today? I hope so. But I know this. If we don't ever learn to do it, we're never going to create a church where he can. And so... I wanted to take five minutes today to start a precedence of what we can begin to do because i got to be honest with you. Every single person in here hold the power to be able to keep God from moving in this place because it took them all. It took them all. So, that's what I'm going to do. If you've run, go. (laughs) That's your chance. Because that's what I'm going to do right now. I'm going to close this way. I'm going to ask you to come forward. And for five minutes, Jerry and Leah are going to lead us in worship. And you say, well, Cricket, I don't know how to worship. I don't know the song. You don't got to worry about that. You just start saying, I worship you, I worship you, I worship you. didn't say we were all singing the same song. It says they were all in one accord doing the same thing for the same reason at the same time. And then it says, and suddenly the power of the Holy Spirit blew into the room like a mighty forcing wind. And it set them on fire. And it says they began to speak an unknown. Do I believe that somebody's going to go prophesying in that gift? I don't know, but I hope the gifts show up here because I believe there's something you in here that need a miracle. I believe there's some of you that need a word of knowledge. I believe there's some of you that need a gift of faith. I believe you're facing something this week that God wants to give you a gift to supernaturally change your life. And if we can get ourselves to a place where God can come in and have his way, I know what he desires for each one of us to have.